This is a series that our whole church, every campus, is going through together. It's called Jesus Over Everything. Last week, the, and, and in this series, we're looking at themes in the book of Colossians. And I think that this is a really important topic for us to discuss because of 2020, um, because of we're heading into a presidential election, that for the church to continue to declare that Jesus is over everything, I think is an important and a timely word. So the theme we looked at last week was that Jesus is supreme. Jesus is supreme is what we looked at last week. In Colossians 1, verse 18, it says this, He, being Jesus, He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent, Preeminent isn't a word, I don't know about you, maybe you do, uh, but preeminent's not a word that I use every day. Um, So another way you could think of the word preeminent is supreme, okay? Supreme meaning like the buck stops with Jesus, he is the head Fred, he is over everything, and Jesus is supreme. And he's over creation, he's over new creation, he's over humanity, he's over reconciliation. He's over forgiveness. He is over the church. He's over it all. He's over everything. Jesus is supreme. And, you know, that may have sounded like old hash to you. That may be like, you know, I get it. Jesus is supreme. I know this. Let's move on to something a little more significant. But I like to remind you that that statement, that declaration carries a lot of weight. And even though it may seem like old hash to you, the the same can't be said globally and historically. Globally, there are places in the world today that for you to make that statement is for you to sign your death wish. That for you to come up and say, no, 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 you're not, this regime is not in charge. Jesus is in charge. Is, Is to more or less put your life on the line. And there have been men and women over generations, over centuries, including Paul in in this letter to the Colossians that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. It's also in this time that he's writing that for him to make this statement, Jesus is supreme, is in direct opposition to the world that he lives in, to the government that they're under occupation of. Because he's saying, no, no, no. Caesar's not Lord, even though that was one of his titles. Jesus is the Supreme Lord. And it was, it was significant enough for him and others to put their lives on the lines in making that declaration that Jesus is supreme. So what are we to do about Jesus being supreme? There are two things that we're going to be looking at. One is the church lives under Jesus as the supreme Lord. And the second one is the church worships Jesus as the supreme Lord. And in the follow worship, here's the deal. Worship is not just the warm-up act, okay? It's not the warm-up act. It is the work. It is the greater work. Uh, what we did earlier just a few minutes ago, I mean, that that can have as much life-changing impact as any, 
any word you're ever going to hear. The church has to be a worshiping church. And that's what we're going to be getting into in the following weeks. This week, we're going to be looking at what it means for the church to live under Jesus as the Supreme Lord. So we're going to jump down to Colossians 1, starting in verse 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, uh, the non-Jewish people, are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Just the, the verse before, he's talking about this mystery that's been hidden for ages and generations is now revealed. And this mystery is that Christ is in you and this is the hope of glory. And he goes on to say, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. See, Paul's emphasis here is not on you. It's not on me. In his words, it's, it's Jesus we're proclaiming. The emphasis is on Jesus, but the good news is, is that it, it still involves us. It involves us. That it's, it's Christ, the supreme one, the one who's over everything, is actually in you. This is, this is the mystery. This is the great mystery that somehow, some way, the king of the cosmos, the creator of everything, is now in you. And that, that word is, is plural, which in English we don't do a great job of like distinguishing plural you with singular you. Uh, but in the South, we got that problem solved. We got the word y'all. Um, and so what he's saying is, is it's Christ in y'all. Christ in y'all is the hope of glory. And this is an important thing, that everything Jesus is, he is in us. Everything Jesus is, it's, it's Christ that's in you. Everything Jesus is, he is in us. That's amazing. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. But it's not without... It's not without a purpose. It's not without a, a goal in mind. And Paul mentions what this goal is, that Christ being in you is for a reason. And that reason is that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Okay, this, this word mature in some translations, it's translated as perfect. It's the word teleos. And uh, the, the meaning of this word is brought to its end, finished, Wanting nothing necessary to completeness. Think about that. Wanting nothing necessary to completeness. That that Christ is in you and we're proclaiming him so that we can present everyone mature. So that they're found wanting nothing necessary to completeness. So this progression that Paul takes in this letter is he's moving from this declaration of Jesus is supreme. He's over everything. He was before everything. Through him, everything was made that was made. 
He's making this declaration. And then he starts moving surprisingly into this direction that this Jesus who's over everything is in you. Is in them. That now the two, you and Jesus, have become one. And the goal for us to submit, the goal for us in submitting our lives to Jesus is that we live under his, we receive his lordship over our lives. We receive his presence into our lives. And that the entirety, that we walk out, that we live out the entirety of our lives in him. The entirety of our lives. Jesus is not a supplement He is supreme. I think I just accidentally spit a little bit there. That's when you know you're preaching when you're spitting. I'm kidding. (laughs) Jesus isn't a supplement. He's supreme. I don't know about you, but Jesus was not an add-on to my already ordered life. I didn't have everything together and I decided, well, you know what? I just want to make sure that when I die, I go to heaven. So I'll, I'll do this Jesus thing. He wasn't an add-on to my already ordered life. Jesus is everything. Everything. The entirety of my life is given over to him. And the entirety of his life is given over to us. And this beautiful thing. And last week we talked about how Jesus is supreme. This week we're going to be talking about how Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is sufficient for everything you need. Sufficient meaning enough. Jesus is enough for everything you need. You know, I think a lot of times we are, we're fairly convinced of the supremacy of Christ, but I think we really struggle with the sufficiency of Christ. That we know that Jesus is over everything, But not only is he over everything, but he's enough. He's sufficient for everything that we need. So that's what we're going to be looking at today, and that's what Paul gets into. Um, You know, it. so what does it look like for us to grow in, in Christ? As Paul stated, Christ being in you is for the intent of you becoming mature and growing in him. Um, so the, th- the thing that we're going to be exploring today is that Jesus is enough. You don't need to add a ton of stuff onto him. It, he, he's enough. Um, so w- if he's enough, then what does it look like for us to grow in him and mature in him? And knowing the right way to take and, and learning how to do something or grow in something sometimes can be challenging, okay? Um, because there's a lot of information out there. I'm admittedly a bit of a YouTube junkie, okay? Um, because in this one place, if you want to learn how to do anything or fix anything or build anything, pull up a YouTube video. It's, it's great. Um, but it's, anyone else watch YouTube? Because I feel like, okay, praise God, all right. Um, so sometimes what I found is it's, it's hard to tell the difference between who knows what they're talking about 
And who's just really good at making a, a video? You know? It can be tough to tell. And so Paul's going to go on to, to give the church three warnings. And in uh, some of these we're going to be looking at, it's, it's like he's helping people tell, uh, like really look at the substance behind things and not just be caught up in the flashy uh, surface level understanding of something. Um, so the, the church also does the same thing that, you know, sometimes we say, hey, in order to grow and mature in Jesus, here's this long list of things you need to do. Uh, here's rules you need to follow. Um, here are things that you need to add on to Jesus. But the truth is, Jesus is sufficient for everything we need. That any discipline, any practice is helpful in as much that it brings us to Jesus. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And Paul addresses the, this question of how do we grow in Christ? And I feel like this is the same thing that I've been saying pretty much every week. So we're just going to add it on. Um, when asking how do you, like, how do you get out of the tent? How do you get out, you know, all of the previous sermons? Um, it's going to be a very similar response. So, you know, how do you grow in Christ? Well, um, Paul goes on in chapter 2 of Colossians, verse 6 through 7, says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. The common English Bible translates it like this. Live in Christ Jesus the Lord in the same way as you received it. So how do you grow? How do you mature? Well, you know who you are in Christ. You know what you have in Christ and you know what you can do in Christ because Christ is enough. And you grow in him, you receive him, you walk in him in the same way that you received him, which is by faith. Not by your efforts so that you can boast, but by faith in coming to Jesus and actually believing that what he says about you is true. The creator of the universe the one who is supreme over everything, has chosen and has called you and lives in you and is one with you. And he is enough. He is everything that we need. He's not a supplement. He's not an add-on. It's not Jesus and. It's not Jesus plus. It's Jesus only. Jesus only. Jesus is sufficient for everything that we need. And in the following verses, Paul starts giving uh, warnings to the church about possible temptations that they may face that are contrary to this declaration of Jesus being not only supreme, but sufficient. So we're going to look at these three things. And the first one we're going to look at is found in verse 8. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. 
Paul writes and he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So the first warning he issues here is, let no one enslave you. Let no one enslave you uh, by more ideas, more philosophy. Uh, philosophy, the, you could think of it as the way you think. The way you think. So he's saying, let no one enslave you by adding more isms or ologies, more philosophy and ideology onto what you need to grow and mature. Um, Because any philosophy, any ideology, which is uh, the the way that you believe, um, if not moving you... any, any philosophy or ideology that is moving you away from Jesus will eventually enslave you. Um, some of the, the things that we're seeing right now that, that would fall into this category would be things like uh, Marxism, would be things like secularism, which with secularism, I, I think it's... Um, I think the results are out for the most part on that not being a feasible or a viable philosophy uh, because within it, there is no purpose. There is no meaning. And so with the rise of secularism, uh, what we see is the 20th century being the bloodiest century in human history. Uh, There were more deaths, like more... um, Lives lost through bombs being dropped, wars being waged in the 20th century with this rise of this idea that there is no God, there is no meaning, there is no purpose. Suicide is on the, on the move, it's increasing. So the outworkings of that way of thinking, that philosophy... Just even looking at it, um, looking at it removed and just looking at the results of it, telling the tree by its fruit, I think the results are out on it. Um, But there are other philosophies um, that are currently at work, and um, Marxism would be one of those. Um, And what we have to know is that any, any way of thinking that leads us away from Jesus will eventually enslave us. And it's not just in the world that we find this, but sometimes you find this in the church as well. Now, probably not as often as what some traditions or some groups would, would seem to think, where any church or any group or any person that doesn't have the exact same beliefs on every single thing is a false teacher and a heretic and wrong, um, you know, not to that extent. Because uh, I, I think that's one of the most arrogant things you can possibly say. Is to say that I have absolutely everything figured out and anyone who disagrees with me on any of it is a heretic and a false teacher. And I mean, come on. Come on. Um, 
But there are still these things. One of the things that you, you can see in the church is where what's happening is uh, certain groups are taking cultural trends and they're, they're really applying those cultural trends to the faith. And what it is, is it's, it's really at, at its substance, at its core, it's just what's happening in the world with a religious veneer over it. Um, and so those, those are the things that, that Paul's warning against here. Um, so when, when Jesus is seen as not enough for us, uh, we will be tempted to, uh, to follow and pursue these different philosophies, these different ways of thinking, these different belief systems. Um, and even if they seem good, they will eventually lead us away from Jesus. And it's not that you can't learn from, from others or, or build bridges with people who have different worldviews. It's just acknowledging that, that, um, that what I have in Jesus is enough. Yeah. Is enough. And there's a, a, an important lesson to learn would be that even though all people are created equal, uh, not every idea is equal. Okay? Uh, there, there seems to be this, this, such a strong correlation right now to where for you to critique an idea or a way of thinking is to hate the person. Okay? We have to learn how to be able to love someone else and be able to articulate disagreement in a way that the relation, like at least on your end, you can still love the person and not agree with the way they think or the way they believe. Um, but because in our day and time, uh, for, for you to say that you don't agree with someone's way of thinking oftentimes is received as you hate me altogether. Uh, but, when, but Jesus is enough. So even though there are philosophies, even though there are ways of thinking, and Jesus and the kingdom has its own philosophy. Uh, but what we have to know and what Paul's warning here is that Jesus is enough for us to grow in wisdom and maturity. Amen. That Jesus is enough for us to grow in wisdom and maturity and we can talk with and we can discuss other worldviews, other philosophies with people, but just know that not every idea is a God idea. Okay? Uh, the second warning that he issues is going to be found in verse 16. It says, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of your food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So the, the first warning was, uh, was let no one enslave you. Let no one enslave you. The second warning is let no one judge you. Let no one judge you. Uh, in this, it, this is where you find things like legalism and dead religion that says in order for you to uh, please God, you have to follow this rigid set of rules and it's a performance-based relationship that you have with God. Um, this is where most other religions in the world 
fall into this category. That in order for you to come close to God, um, you have to abide by these sets of rules. This religion, in order for you to impress or please God. Um, And again, I think the more accurate term for this is legalism than just giving the blanket statement of religion and saying all religion is bad religion because I don't think that all religion is bad religion. Uh, And here's why, because the Bible doesn't teach that. Um, In the book of James, you know that religion can actually be pure? And that's what we follow. We... Okay, so, I, and I, I, I know and I understand, and I think that it's important that we understand that in our faith, it's more about a relationship than it is about rules. And I think when people say it's, it's about relationship, not religion, I, 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 know, I think I know what they mean, and that it is about, like, we, we come to God on a relational basis not on, hey, God, we followed all the rules, so now you can actually be pleased with us. Um, but it doesn't really make sense to, the, to, to people that we're trying to engage in conversations about our faith with when we say we're not religious. Because for everyone else in the world, we, we are religious. And here's why. We, we have a sacred text. We engage in prayer. Um, so in, in those regards, we, we kind of fall into the religion category. Um, but the religion that we adhere to, I believe, is pure and undefiled. And that's what the Bible teaches. In James chapter 1, James says this. He says, pure and undefiled religion is this. Uh, to care for the widows and orphans in their affliction and remain unstained by the world. Okay, so just to, to give language to whenever we, we talk about um, religious, religious people. Um, I think the, the more accurate way to describe that would be uh, legalist or legalism or just dead religion. Um, so Paul here is speaking to the legalist. Uh, he's, he's speaking to the one who thinks that in order for you to please, don't let people come to you and say that in order for you to please God, in order for you to come into relationship with him, you have to abide by all of these rules and earn your own right standing with God. He's warning against that. See, when, when, Jesus, when we don't see Jesus as enough for us, and we don't see him as sufficient, uh, we're tempted to pass judgment on other people who don't follow, who don't live by the same set of guidelines and rules and principles as we do. But when Jesus is seen as enough, when Jesus is seen as sufficient, we're freed from the need to pass judgment on others. The third warning that Paul talks about is going to be in in the following verse, verse 18. It says, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism, and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. Um, So the first one was, let no one enslave you. Second warning, uh, let no one 
judge you. And then the third one, let no one disqualify you. So the, you know, the, maybe an image that would have gone with the first one uh, with enslaving would be uh, something like a, a slick salesman. That, that, again, you don't really know. It's tough to tell whether the product's good or whether the person's just a really good salesperson. Um, maybe the, the image for the second one would be a judge. Uh, the, the image for the third one, I think of, did you ever go to like a, like a carnival or a, like an, an amusement park as a kid? And then there was like always this cardboard cutout or something, this plywood car- cutout that had like a clown with this, you must be this tall to ride the ride thing. You know what I'm talking about? I, I hated those clowns because um, they were disqualifying me. I wasn't tall enough. So don't be, the, the real takeaway for this point is to, don't be a clown um, is what Paul's telling people. Don't, don't disqualify others. Um, so here it's instead of you need more philosophies onto Jesus or you need more rules onto Jesus, uh, here it's you need more spirituality onto Jesus. You need more spirituality, which is a really hot topic right now in our world. Uh, There are gurus galore, okay, telling you about how you need to practice these certain things and you will become more enlightened. Okay, Jesus is not just the starting point into our long journey of becoming more enlightened. Okay, Jesus is sufficient. He is enough. We, We don't need... Uh, we don't need these extra uh, add-ons from different spiritualities. Jesus is enough. Um, and this is, in this category is where you would find, um, uh, if, you're, if this is you, I love you and I'm sorry, but the, the conference junkie type person that, that will follow uh, follow the feelings and feel like emotions are good. Like God designed us to have emotions, to have feelings and to have experiences with him. Okay. But the problem becomes whenever the experience and whenever the feeling is exalted over the personhood of Jesus. Because that's, that's the critique here is that, um, is that for, for those falling in this category, the ones who would disqualify you, uh, they're, after, they're in pursuit of an experience, not in pursuit of a person. Okay? You have experiences with a person, but the experience is not, is not at the center. It's not the core thing. Uh, it's, it's the person. Um, so a way you could think about that, and here's why that's important. Um, so... Within a marriage, God designed this amazing, beautiful thing called sex, okay? If, if what you're in pursuit of is the person and then all of, like, all of the benefits that come with that are secondary, then that's, that's in a healthy format and a healthy setting. What happens is when you start pursuing the experience over the person because if you don't get the experience with the person 
and you have a higher value for the experience, then you're going to seek that out elsewhere. And even though with the Lord, we have these uh, experiences with him, and I, I love that. I love that. I love a, a living God. I love that we follow a living God. I think there's a, a time in every believer's life where there is a, a testing on whether they're more in love with their feelings about God than they are in love with God himself. Because whenever the feelings, maybe just temporarily or for a season, when the feelings, when you've lost that love and feeling, okay, uh, and, and that's not there anymore, will you still pursue him? Will you still follow him? Do you love him more than the benefits you receive from him? Let no one disqualify you by saying, I have all of these spiritual experiences that you haven't. Because see, when, when you don't see Jesus as enough, you're tempted to do that. You're tempted to create this hierarchy and to say that I am, I am above you because I have these experiences that you don't. But when you see Jesus as enough, when you see Jesus as sufficient, you understand that we are all on this ongoing journey of following Jesus. We're all on this journey. And wherever we are, you're, you're happy that someone is on the journey too. And you're encouraging them to come along. You're not disqualifying them. Because Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. See, in Christianity, there is a philosophy, there is a religion, or it is religious Again, that can come with a lot of baggage, and I hope that you, you understand what I mean by that. Um, and it, it is spiritual in nature. But with Jesus, he totally reshapes the way that we think about all these things. And he's the one who's in charge. He's the one who's supreme. And all of our growth, all of our maturing comes from him, and that's what Paul gets into in verse 19. Talking about the people... Uh, that were disqualifying others, he said, and they're not holding fast to the head, which is Jesus, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. The growth is from God. All Christian growth and nourishment and unity comes from God, not ourselves. The growth comes from him. So what do we do? Well, we believe. We believe who we are in Christ. We know who we are. We know what we have and we know what we can do in him. And we understand that all growth and nourishment and unity comes from God, not ourselves. We will just mess it up. We'll just mess it up. Any, so Christless philosophy, religion, or spirituality elevates and isolates the individual. Any way of thinking, any religion, religious practices, any spirituality that is without Christ, what it does is it elevates and isolates the individual. But Christ-centered philosophy, religion, spirituality, connects us to the life of Christ 
and the unity of the body of Christ. Connects us to the life of Christ and to the body of Christ. Colossians 2.20 If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive to the world, do you submit yourself to regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Referring to things that all perish as they, as they are used, according to the human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Nothing self-made will lead towards lasting growth and fulfillment. It's not... It's not Jesus and me that brings me to growth and development. It's Jesus in me that brings growth, development, that brings me into that maturity. It's Jesus in you that brings you. And Jesus talks about this, this beautiful relationship and how we are in him and he is in us. He talks about this in John chapter 15, coming to an end of this sermon, just to clarify. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. If you want to be fruitful, fruitfulness comes through abiding in Christ. Without Christ, it will be fruitless. Anything that involves fruit, fruitfulness flows from Jesus. Why? Because everything we need is in Jesus. Jesus is sufficient. He is enough for everything that we need. And you may say, well, you may say, I, I don't buy that. That's fine. I mean, you're entitled to that. Uh, you may be thinking that because you're like, listen, I, I appreciate that, that, that Jesus is enough for everything, but I don't know how that helps me with my kids' braces that somehow I'm going to have to uh, like mortgage my house to be able to do or you know, the, the bills I have to pay um, my, my marriage is strained. I hate my job. I don't know how Jesus being everything really plays into that. I, I get the spiritual part of my life, but what about the, the daily part of my life? Uh, to that, I would say it's, it's kind of like this. If you've ever had a child whenever you have a baby, that baby has a crazy amount of need. Um, they, they need all of the, the fundamental needs of, of people. So they, they need shelter. They need food. Uh, they need nourishment. They need their diapers changed. They need their clothes changed. 
they can't go to the bathroom on their own in a potty yet. Um, They need near constant attention. Um, And the, the list goes on and on and on of everything that a baby needs. But really, you could wrap all of that up into one thing and say that if a baby has a home, it will have everything that it needs. If it finds itself in a good home, all of its needs will be provided for. On Wednesday, that's what we talked about from Psalm 90. A Lord, through every generation, you have been our home. He's home to you. He's home to us. The place where every need is provided for. Jesus is sufficient. Uh, 